Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the newest edition of the House of Chayton podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Chayton. This is episode 30 on Royal Rumble Saturday, Saturday, January 28th, 2023. We got a lot to discuss uh, in regards to Rumble predictions, my Royal Rumble top 10, and my reviews of a few shows, and of course, the my review of Brandon Cronenberg's newest film, Infinity Pool. But that will be coming up very soon. But first, we're going to get into what we always start off with at the beginning of the show, and that is, of course, the box office report for the weekend of January 20th to January 22nd. So number one, once again, was Avatar, The Way of Water, grossing another $20 million. And it was, of course, it was, of course, it passed $2 billion. It's currently at $2 billion, $45 million. So very much impressive. Number two, which was last week's number three, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. This movie's doing, just still doing great. It made another $11 million, almost $12 million. It's made it has made currently almost 300 million dollars i do believe it'll get there by this weekend number three which was last week's number two and that was megan made nine million dollars and it has made so far 126 million dollars so very impressive number four was a new film missing making about 9.1 million and that movie currently, I've heard good things about it. It's made about $10 million so far. Number five is A Man Called Otto, making $8.8 million. And that has made $57 million worldwide. Number six, Plane, another $5 million. And that has made $25 million so far worldwide. Number six, a very big drop, 58%. And that is House Party, making $1.6 million. It has made about $7.5 million worldwide. Number eight, that time I got reincarnated as a slime, the movie Scarlet Bond. Never heard of this. this is the anime. Made $1.5 million. Another Crunchyroll release. So that, made, that has made $11.2 million. Number nine, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Making another $1.3 million. And has made $840 million worldwide. And finally, at number 10... The Whale at $1.2 million, and it has made so far, and I'm going to be talking about The Whale later on, $13.2 million worldwide. So that is your box office report for this week. Uh, we mainly got Infinity Pool coming out, so I don't see too much of a change in the box office this week. And where's the number, like, I'm, I don't know if Infinity Pool is going to even make it to the top 10, but we'll see. Stranger things could have happened, so we'll see. So next up is the physical media report for this week. We are getting from Paramount, and we're talking about the news first. This comes to us from Blu-ray.com. Flashdance will be getting a 40th anniversary 4K Blu-ray on April 11th. The Prince of Egypt, which I've been actually wanting this movie to be come, come out on 4K for the longest time. That will be coming out on March 14th from Universal. We have got... See, I'm looking currently at the we got from beyond coming from vinegar syndrome that'll be coming to us on February 28th. Vinegar, oh, and then this one I'm really excited for because this is not on HBO Max. Duck Dodgers, the complete series, will be coming to Blu-ray from Warner Bros. on March 28th. This will be an instant pickup. Uh, I'm actually going to see how much it is currently on if it, if there is a sales listing on Amazon. It's a beautiful uh, box or beautiful set, like in terms of the um, Blu-ray itself. But I'm looking to see. So you can't pre-order right now. I'm looking right now to see how much it is currently on Amazon. Trying to see real quick. I want to check some stuff. Okay. It is currently. Oh, they don't have a. It's not available for pre-order yet, so we don't have a date. But uh, I will be definitely picking this up. I heard rumblings about this, so I'm very much looking forward to picking this up in March. 
So next up, we have Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody that will be coming to us from Sony on February 21st. Oh, it looks like it's getting a Blu-ray release. Nothing nothing in regards to... Uh, nothing regarding, you know, a 4K release, which is interesting. And then, let us look to see what else there is. There is a... Um, let's see... I'm looking currently to see if there's anything else I have not talked about for the physical media report. See, Batman the Doom that came to Gotham, that's coming from Warburgs on March 28th. So that's, that's it in regards to everything I've talked about. So let's talk about what is coming out on Blu-ray and 4K on Tuesday, January 31st. First off, we're getting Dawn of the Dead coming to us from Scream Factory on January 31st. I will definitely be picking this up. I did have the Scream Factory Blu-ray, but this does come with a Blu-ray, so I am definitely going to be picking this up to uh, get the... Because um, I will be getting a PS5 hopefully by February or March. So I'll be getting that, in, um, and I would like to have at least the Blu-ray for the time being. Yu Yu Hakusho, the complete, uh, I believe it's the complete series. Seasons 1 through 4, Ghost Files, 30th Anniversary uh, Box Set Blu-ray. That'll be coming to us um, from Crunchyroll. That'll be $104.99. I remember Yu Yu Hakusho. That was, a good, that was a fun little anime. Roadhouse will be coming from Vinegar Syndrome on 4K. We also have Bones and All, which was uh, which is something I'm, I may not pick up this week, but I may pick up soon. That'll be coming to us on Blu-ray. We got Mi Mickey and Minnie, 10 classic shorts coming to us from Disney. We also have Crimes of the Future coming to us from four on 4K. I'm fine with the Blu-ray I have. Uh, but um, good to see that's getting a 4K collection or 4K release. I just don't like when they do this, especially if it's newer movies. And... That looks like that's about it in regards of all the major releases this week. Let's look at the uh, first weekend or first week of February. See what's coming out then before I get into. We got a lot of good like catalog and some some lesser known horror films coming out. So uh, the, the end of January actually is really good. Now, February, we have some big releases, some catalog releases, but we'll be talking about that next week. So with that being said, we are going to get into the news. And first things first, we are going to talk about Rick and Morty. Okay. Usually I try to not be loud. I try not to, like, name call, talk shit, or anything like this. But I, 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 I may not be able to control myself here. Adult Swim cuts ties with Jason Rowland following, following domestic abuse charges. Now, for those of you who do not know, Jason, Justin Rowland has, was arrested recently for and charged with, I uh, believe, felony domestic battery. And in Orange County, California. And... He he and, and the other crews, Rick and Moore have they've been the subject of controversy over the years, people trying to cancel them, so on and so forth. Well, he was he was of course uh, arrested for that and charged with that. Now his attorney believes they are very confident in getting this dismissed. Now I'm all in favor of innocent until proven guilty. I was one of the biggest Johnny Depp supporters in the world back when the whole Depp v. Hurt thing happened. And I am a supporter of Marilyn Manson, hoping that everything goes well with him. Because as I've seen with the news, you know, it seems like there's more than meets the eye in regards to just thinking Manson's this horrible human being. And I, so I, I would like to, you know... And, and to me, and again, I may be controversial for saying this, but I'm somebody who, who is against people who just go after, you know, 
people because of success or say they did this or all that, or even look up tweets that they did 20 years ago. I get it. Some people may make some stupid comments. We're young, stupid, immature, what have you, okay? Now, I would have been in favor if they suspended him until they until the verdict was realized. Like, once they realized if he was guilty or not, you know. To me, that would be the fair way to do it. Because, again, it's a PR nightmare, depending on like, you going from being a part of this, this big successful show to now having this guy who's uh, accused of and charged with beating women. Okay, so, so you get that there. But then they decide not only to not suspend him, but fire him. Now, again, as a PR move, it may, it may be in the best thing to do. But I'm going to tell you why Waterbird Discovery are a bunch of hypocrites for this. But I'm going to read the report from The Hollywood Reporter before I get into this. Adult Swim has cut ties with Justin Rowland in the wake of the news that, he, that the Rick and Morty co-creator was charged with felony domestic abuse in Orange County, California. Adult Swim has ended its association with Justin Rowland, Adult Swim slash Cartoon Network, slash Boomerang Senior VP Communications, Marie Moore, said in a statement Tuesday. Adult Swim dis distributes Rick and Morty, the hit adult animation comedy that Roland co-created and executive produced for, and for which he voiced both the titular Rick and Morty. As the Hollywood Reporter reported on January 17th, Adult Swim isn't even halfway through a massive 70-episode order for the show, one of the brand's most popular titles commissioned by the channel in 2018. Sources say Rick and Morty is set to continue with Roland's voice roles to be recast, though Roland will always be credited as co-creator, fellow co-creator Dan Harmon, which was another person that they've been trying to cancel, will now be the lone showrunner. The show is locked in through season 10. Roland still has several projects ongoing with Hulu, including as the co-creator of the streamer Solar Opposites, on which he voices the main character, the show was renewed for 15 October. And so, let's see, the Hollywood Reporters reached out to Hulu and 20th Century Television Animation for comment. And, of course, on January 12th, NBC was the first to report that Roland was charged with one count of domestic battery with corporal injury and one count of false imprisonment by menace, violence, Fraud or decent or dissent, dissent, uh, deceit, excuse me, uh, in Orange County ba based on a alleged 2020 incident with an unnamed Jane Doe that Roland was dating. Roland has played not guilty and in 2020 was released on a $50,000 bond. Several pretrial hearings have already occurred. Roland is expected to return to court on April 27th. So this is going on in regards, this has been going on for a couple of years, but now all of a sudden it makes news. Uh, in a statement earlier this month, Roland's attorney, T. Edward Wellborn, said the media coverage of the case has been inaccurate, Wellborn added. To be clear, not only is Justin innocent, but we, are, but we also have every expectation that this matter is on course to be dismissed once the direct district attorney... Uh, District Attorney's Office has completed its methodical review of the evidence. All right, so we're going to get we're going to get into what I think of this whole situation. Now, as far as what the attorney said, every attorney that that is defending someone who is accused of something, it's always going to make it seem like it's not that big of an issue. That it's going to be blown over. It's going to be dismissed. What have you? Okay, so let's take that as a let's take that as a grain of salt. However. If that is true, if, if what he's saying is true, if he is that confident, he's not just blowing smoke up our asses, and he is found innocent and not guilty, then, like, again, why fire him? Because, yes, it's a PR nightmare, but at that point, if you want to wait, and to me, I am always a firm believer, and if you need to get rid of the person for the time being, suspend them. Maybe fire them, bring them back. I don't know if they will do that, but let's play devil's advocate for a second. If they do, they recast whoever. 
Because not only are you losing to co-creator, you're losing the voices of Rick and Morty. Like that has been the main vocal uh, vocal point, no pun intended, for that show for five seasons. And to let him go over this. And this is where the hypocrisy is. Because last week, I didn't mention this last week, but Warner Bros. Discovery did not did not let AEW do a tribute show to Jay Briscoe, who passed away last week. Update on on that situation. His daughters are recovering smoothly. And wish everything but the best. He um, had a, a GoFundMe for the mo- the mother and the widow of Jay Briscoe, who or the mother of the kids and the widow of Jay Briscoe. Uh, goal is fifty thousand dollars. It made about two hundred fifty. So just great stuff to hear. And I, I in this time of sadness, but they didn't want to let Jay Briscoe do a tribute to Jay Briscoe. They couldn't even fucking rarely mention him on this show because of remarks he made. Some homophobic remarks, which he has apologized countless, countless, countless times for, for the past decade. So, they will not let them do that. They they had to do a kicking and screaming this past week, but the previous week they 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 wouldn't do it. They will let him go under the suspicion that he may be guilty, but they will not. They will let Ezra Miller, the dipshit that I mentioned. A couple of months ago that I talked about and I, I talked shit bitched about too. Let that motherfucker, they still want to work with him. They want to keep him employed with them because he's a part of a multi-million dollar franchise that is going nowhere after the fucking, after this movie comes out. Because probably no one gives a shit except for Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck. You want to keep that lunatic who had so much shit, who literally on video assaulted a woman at a bar who has made a lot of fucking derogatory claims, who has fucking groomed a fucking minor. Oh, but I need, like, I got to take care of my mental health. I, I, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, this is my mental health. The last couple of years, you like Ezra Miller's been a fucking nutcase doing all this fucking stupid shit. Yet he gets a free pass. He is he has multiple felony charges pending on him. He pled guilty to one, but yet again, mental issues, mental awareness. I'm sorry. I'm gonna get help. You know I'm a sucker for redemption story. Look at Robert Downey Jr. Okay. But this fucking nut should have been blacklisted from day fucking one when this whole shit happened. They should have just went on with the movie, then just fucking be done with it. Recast him, all that good stuff. But no, no, they want to work with him. They want to work with this fucking nutcase. Made a joke a while back. We need to talk about Kevin. We need to talk about Ezra. <coughs> Getting choked up just talking about this. So you want to keep a man who has pleaded guilty, who has acknowledged that he's guilty with this shit. You want to keep him on board, but you want to fa- you want to let go of a guy who is still not guilty. If he's guilty, then okay, fine, fire him. But you're fucking hypocrites by firing him before he's even been to trial and face judgment when this fucking nut pled guilty recently to one of his many charges. You know, I've been a big I've been a big supporter of David Zaslav and a big supporter of Warner Bros. Discovery. But I will also, as a fan, as someone who enjoys Warner Brothers content, I will also call them out on their shit. I'm not one of these guys who kisses their ass. I will praise the stuff they've done. I've praised Zaslav on a lot of things he's done. He's made some smart business decisions. I will not, that, that's something I will not take away from him. They're in a reshuffling phase right now. They're in the, they're in the bloodletting phase right now in Warner Bros. Discovery. So I understand that. But like when you make good stuff like Harley Quinn and all that, but you make pieces of shit like Velma, you know, you know, I will call it out evenly. Now we'll be talking about Harley Quinn a little bit later. And more positive note. But honestly, I I hope that fucking Justin get 
gets the not guilty verdict, I hope they beg him to come back and he says, fuck y'all. <coughs> you could have stood by my corner like you did with Amber fucking Heard and Ezra fucking Miller. But no, you decided just to kick me to the curve. At least you're getting, they're getting, he's still going to get his credit for the rest of the series, but still, you know. I was talking to a buddy of mine about this. I said I am not going to be watching Rick and Morty after this. Not because I'm, I'm not because of, oh, whether he's guilty or not, I'm not going to defend. I just don't. It's like recasting a pivotal member of a show. Whether, granted, it's a voice actor, but still, it's not like when they recast Cleveland on fucking. Be like if he fi if Fox fires or Disney fires Seth MacFarlane. The show is dead. Because he voices three of the most important characters of that show, along with others. But I hope, I hope everything goes well. I hope he, I hope the, I, I, the only reason if he did this and if he, if he abused his his uh, ex girlfriend, then fuck him. But if he didn't, because again, I am one of the, I would say probably one of the only people that still believe in the term innocent until proven guilty. If he is not guilty, I want Wonder Bro Discovery to try offering back. I want him to say "fuck y'all" and takes take a offer, a bigger offer somewhere else. Same thing with what James Gunn. Look at where James Gunn is now, and, and ironically, he's with Wonder Bros. But look where he's at now. When he made those tweets many years ago, got fired by Disney. He got picked up by Wonder Bros. That was a big one of the best decisions the regime back at Wonder Bros. back then made before they merged with Discovery. One of the best decisions they made was that was uh, was getting James Gunn. But look at that, Diz like Dizzy what got him back, but he basically is doing his swan song with the new Guardians. After he's he's saying see ya, going to Warner Brothers to make some great DC movies. You know, and I hope he succeeds. But again, that's that's something I want for Justin if he fucking if this all works out and if he doesn't is not guilty so if everything like and again i could i can like i will still call them hypocrites for firing this guy before anything happens with the other guy so regardless of whether he's guilty or not at this point my state stand or my statement towards one of our discovery with this whole situation still stands regardless of the outcome but again i will reiterate if he is guilty Fuck him. So, with that, we are going to get into a more positive talk with some little rant. My Oscar uh, nomination thoughts. And now we are going to be talking about the Oscar nominations. They just got released this past week for the 2023 Academy Awards. Let's hope that's not going to be like last year. Let's hope no one gets slapped. Yeah. But uh, we're going to get into it. We're going to go. We're not going to go through every single nomination, but we're going to go through the key ones. And I apologize if I um, butcher some of the names. But uh, we have the Best Actor nominee. And that will be, first off, is Austin Butler from Elvis. Now, I haven't seen Elvis yet, I know. It's just, again, it's a long movie. And it's, it's I think it's still on HBO Max. Now I'm going to just have to pick up on 4K. But I've heard nothing but good things from this. So, you know, uh, Colin Farrell from the uh, Banshees of Ish Ishnarn. I, I, again, apologize for the – I'm going to say the Banshees from here on out. Uh, Brandon Frazier for the Whale. So I'm very happy he did get the nomination. I am gunning for him to win for Best Actor. Paul Mescal from After Sun and Bill Nye from – Bill Nye from Living. Actor in a supporting role, Brendan Gleeson from The Banshees. Brian Tyree Henry, who has been killing it over the last couple of years. He, from uh, he, His movie that he's being nominated for is Causeway. Judd Hirsch from The Fablesman. Barry Kurgan from The Banshees. And Ki Hung Kwong from Everywhere, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I'm so happy about this one. I'm gunning for him, but I think Brendan... Uh, Gleason is winning. Best Actress, Kate Blanchett from Tar, Ana de Armas from Blonde, 
which, uh, again, another one I'm gunning for in regards to that. Andrea Riseboro, uh, again, these names, uh, to Leslie, that's the movie. Michelle Williams from The Fablesman. Uh, Michelle Yeoh from Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Actress in a supporting role, Angela Bassett from Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I had my issues with Black Panther, but I will say that Angela Bassett, I thought her performance was great, and I did even say that she should be nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Hong Kong from The Whale. She was also very great, great in this movie. Uh, Carrie uh, Coden from The Banshees. Jamie Lee Curtis from Everything Everywhere All at Once. That was surprising. Uh, Stephanie Huss from Everything Everywhere All at Once. Again, these, I apologize. Uh, and animated for Best uh, Animated Picture. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which I think will be the winner. Marcel, the show with shoes on. Still not seen, so about one, two, and uh, looks so adorable. Uh, Puss in Boots, Last Wish. I am so happy for this one. I don't think it's going to win, but I'm so happy that this got nominated. It was an excellent film. I would have loved if the bad guys got nominated, but, you know, Puss in Boots was just fantastic. The Sea Beast and Turning Red, which I did hear good things, and it was the one movie that did not come on out the theaters from Disney. The only movie, anime movie that came out from Disney bombed bad. Uh, let's see. Next up, we have a director, The Banshees, uh, Martin McDowell. Uh, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shurnett from Everything We Were All at Once, Steven Spielberg from The Fablesman, Todd Field from Tar, and Ruben Oshlin from The Triangle Sadness. I've heard good things about that one too, and that's going to be getting a, uh, I think a Blu-ray release, either Blu-ray or 4K from Criterion uh, very soon. Uh, that's going to be a hard one. I think Mark McDowell maybe could get the win uh, in regards to that. Uh, film editing, that, our film editing, The Banshees, Elvis, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Tar, and Top Gun, Maverick. Um, trying to see. Costume design, Babylon, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Elvis, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, and Miss Harris Goes to Paris. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to see because there was one I – okay, I haven't gotten to it yet. So music, we got All Quiet on the Western Front for is for original score. Babylon, The Banshees, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, and The Fablesmen. Music original song. We got songs from Top Gun Maverick. We got Tell Like a Woman, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Uh, we also have uh, RRR. We have uh, Everything Ever All at Once. Where is there was a okay production design? We got All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, Babylon, Elvis, and Fablesmen. Sound, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Batman, so The Batman did get some nominations, Elvis and Top Gun Maverick, Visual Effects, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Batman, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and Top Gun Maverick. And I'm trying, okay, so those are all the main ones I'm going to go. And then Makeup and Hairstyle, All Quiet on the Western Front, The Batman, uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Elvis and the Whale. And then finally, there's others, but those are the main ones. Finally, we are going to get into the best picture. And the nominees for this one, once I get to it, okay, are All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Banshees, Elvis, Every Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablesmen, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, which I was very happy to see. Woman Talking, or Women Talking, and The Triangle of Sadness. Now, I am wanting everything everyone all wants to win. I want that movie to win. Like, if I had my way, if I was in charge of this. Now, granted, again, I've not seen every movie. Even Avatar, seeing it, I don't think it belongs in Best Picture. Visual effects, all that, it's going to win, and I think it deserves to be there. But as far as like what I think is the best films of the year, I don't think, you know, I don't think that movie should be in there. That's just my opinion. But I do believe everything we're all wants is my pick to win the whole thing. Now, there were some notable uh, names out of this, which I'm not surprised because, you know, some like 
the Oscars do not really like to talk or like to showcase horror movies. But I do believe Mia Goth should be nominated for Best Actress, not only for X, but for Pearl. Um, I do believe that, like, it's like Toni Collette many years ago. She should have been nominated. She should have won Best Actress for Hereditary, but, you know, she didn't get it. Um, but Mia Goth is, like, who like, I think she should have been nominated. Um, but I am happy, though. Like, overall, this is a very good list. This is a very good list of nominations. It could be any anybody winning this thing. Like I said, for best actress, I'm rooting for Ana de Armas, but I don't think she's going to win. But it would be really cool if she did. Same thing with uh, the guy from Everything Everywhere All Once, best supporting actor. So let me know, guys, what you think of this. And we are going to get into, we're going to get into, of course, our, the rest of the news for this week. So we're getting to that right now. And now we're wrapping up the rest of the news. Not too much to discuss besides what I've already discussed previously. Uh, but we got a new trailer for Shazam! Fury of the Gods, which does look good. But again, I, I'm just with these DC movies that are coming out. Especially since I know most of them are not going to matter after these releases like Aquaman so on and so forth. I just can't get too excited for it. It's a good trailer, but... I wasn't. I liked Shazam the first movie, but I wasn't like the Shazam franchise since Black Adam was a part of it. I wasn't really the biggest fan of. So, but who knows? It, it does have a good cast in it and all that. So uh, that is something that you know I will keep an eye on. But uh, we did also get the first the first uh, trailer. I did not even know we were getting this, but for Harley Quinn. A very problematic Valentine's Day special now be coming to us on, I believe, February 8th or February 9th. We're, um, what do you call it? It's actually 9th. It's coming the same day as you season four on Netflix. So that's going to be one busy day regarding all that. So that is really all the news because there's not really too much else to discuss as of right now. Just because, again, like my main two focal points. But I want to let you all know what I thought of those two things. So now we're going to get into what I thought of the, of the next two episodes of The Mayfair Witches and The Last of Us Episode 2. So I watched the um, last two episodes of The Mayfair Witches, Episodes 3 and 4. Not the last, last, but, you know, most recent ones. And it's going... It's going through a good steady pace. Again, I'm not feeling it compared to Interview the Vampire. I think Alexandra Dara is doing her damnedest in the show, and I, I do believe the setting and the cinematography is just gorgeous. But And, and it's an interesting story. It's just, again, I'm not feeling it the same way I felt with Interview the Vampire. Maybe it's because I'm not too familiar. Like I, I read the Mayfair Witches book, so I'm, very, I'm familiar with it to a certain extent, but I'm not like this big... Big avid fan of the the uh, like novel, you know, but I, I'm still enjoying it. So, uh, and again, if you are a member of AMC Plus, you can easily get it, you know, early and all that good stuff. Like, or you get the newest episodes early, then and all that good stuff. So, uh, but what I did really enjoy, and what I think is this show is shaping up to be the best TV show of this year. We're not even. We're not even halfway to first, or we're not even through the first month of the year. That is The Last of Us. I watched episode two. I love the storytelling and the like, the like backtrack or not backtrack, but the backstory they're doing in the beginning. I'm hoping they do that on each at the beginning of each episode. They're like doing like a little thing in the uh, back before the outbreak happened in its early stages. So I really enjoyed that. We did get to see the Quickers for the first time, like fully in there, you know, with their fungus and all that stuff. So that was cool. And I said the voice act actors who voiced the Quickers are voicing them in the show. Pedro Pascal is, is just a treasure on TV. Like with Mando and with this, he's just excellent. Uh, but the rest of the cash line, there was a very – Hauntingly like, beautiful but disturbing scene near the end. If you probably know what I'm 
what I'm referring to, and it, le- it leaves kind of certain questions out there, which I love. I don't like everything being explained, you know, so it, it's, and I'm really excited for episode uh, three coming up this Sunday. I will be, pr- I'm hoping I will be awake to, uh, to, you know, to discuss or to uh, watch it, but if I don't, I'll watch it Monday. So um, yeah, but definitely check the show out if you have not already. So with that, we're going to get into my thoughts on and my my predictions for the 2023 Royal Rumble and my ranking of, in my opinion, the top 10 best 30-man Royal Rumble matches of all time in just a moment. And now since it's Royal Rumble season, and I don't talk too, too much about wrestling on this podcast, this is I will be going to the Rumble by the time you are listening to this, I will... Most likely be at the Alamo Dome, getting ready to go to the show. I wanted to do a, and also for episode 30, I wanted to do a top 10 of the best 30-man Royal Rumbles, in my opinion. Um, it is a ranked list from 10 to 1. I thought about doing a, you know, 30, but, you know, it's just going to take too much damn time, and there's more than 30 Rumble matches, if we include like the greatest Royal Rumble and so on and so forth. So with that, we are going to go into number ten, and really, it's only for this one because after really number nine, it was kind of hard to pick a Rumble that I thought was good. But really, number ten is only for one moment, and that is, of course, the 1990 Rumble, which was uh, our first image of seeing the ultimate warrior and Hogan in the ring together. I believe this was the last one Hogan won, if I'm not mistaken. Was it? Let me look real quick. Cause I know he won two rumbles. I just can't remember. Yeah, he won. Yeah. Oh, he won 90 and 91. Big John stud won 89. So I couldn't remember if he won 89 and 90. I know he was the first one to win back to back. So, um, but yeah, that is, that is the main reason why that's number 10 in, my, in all that. Number nine is the 2019 Royal Rumble. This was actually not kind of the greatest Royal Rumble. I believe this was the first stadium rumble that they had besides the Alamo Dome in 97. And, of course, in 2017, they were in a baseball stadium. This is one Seth Rollins won. It was a great finish with him and Braun Strowman. Uh, honorable mention, I will add one honorable mention, the 2018 Rumble, uh, because of Nakamura winning and also Rey Mysterio's return. That was awesome. Number eight is what many consider the forgotten Royal Rumble match, and that is the 2004 Royal Rumble match. That is the one that, of course, Chris Benoit won. And those of you who know who Chris, uh, Chris Benoit know what he did in 2007, Probably know why it's considered a forgotten rumble. But it was a great rumble with some great storytelling with Benoit being in number one, Orton being number two, Mick Foley coming in later on because he was feuding with Randy Orton. And it was a great finish with him and Benoit and the Big Show. And uh, also it laid the groundwork for the future match between Brock Lesnar and Bill Goldberg. And this was Goldberg's first of, I believe, two rumble matches. Uh, he was also in the 2017 Rumble. So that is my number nine. My number, or my number eight, excuse me. My number seven is the 2020 Royal Rumble. What I think is the last great Royal Rumble match as of right now. I uh, had the great return of Edge coming out. It was in Houston, Texas. It was also the last Rumble for almost two years to ha- be in front of a live audience because we wouldn't get another Rumble in front of a live on until 2022. Uh, the one in 2021. While I did enjoy was in the Thunderdome era of, of WWE during the pandemic. Had the great return of Edge. Had the Brock Lesnar just cleaning house at the beginning. We also had the elimination by Drew McIntyre to Brock Lesnar. After Ricochet kicked him in the dick. Lesnar that is. 
And the Claymore kick out of the ring, that was a great moment. And then, of course, like I said, Edge's uh, return. It's a great Rumble overall. So that is my number seven. My number six is the 2001 Royal Rumble. For some of the hardcore stuff, Kane's eliminations, the finish between Austin and Kane, and, of course, the Honky Tonk Man. I love the segment with the Honky Tonk Man. Would be a little bit higher up, but Drew Carey was in this Rumble. So, yeah. But uh, also Austin winning his third straight or his third Rumble match. And he is still, to this day, the only man to win three Rumbles. It's not too many people right now, like Lesnar, Orton, Cena. There's only a few people that could even tie that record. And most of them were your part-time or gone or all that good stuff. So my number five is, and I just recently rewatched this recently, is the 2002 Royal Rumble. That was the one where they hyped up where wrestlers from past the past were coming in like Mr. Perfect, the Godfather, who had still one of my favorite Rumble entrances of all time. We had uh, Goldust, of course, the big boss, and Mr. Perfect, and uh, fuck, who was the other guy? I'm missing somebody because they were building, and then, of course, Triple H returned that month. In Madison Square Garden. So, of course, it was kind of predictable that Triple H would win. We had the uh, stare down between him and Austin and the fight between them in the Rumble match. And uh, it was cool seeing some new faces in the Rumble match like Rob Van Dam, Booker T, even DDP. I believe that was his... I want to say that was his only Rumble appearance. I don't think he made it. Maybe he made one later on, but I believe that was his only appearance in the Rumble. I know he was in a Battle Royal at WrestleMania 32, but I can't recall if he was in another Rumble match after that. <coughs> Plus, most of you, besides Triple H winning, remember this Rumble for the Rumble that Maven eliminated The Undertaker, the young rookie from Tough Enough, drop kicking The Undertaker out of the ring, and Undertaker beating the living shit out of him and clobbering him with a steel chair. And then shoving his head into a thing of popcorn. And then Taker eating the popcorn, which is hilarious. But this is a very good rumble. And we had, and it was cool to see Mr. Perfect last in the final four. So, And that was also Mr. Perfect's last uh, rumble appearance. Because after not too long after that, he would be released. And then the following year, he would pass away. So, so number four is the 2005 rumble which I thought was also a great telltale sign of the future of WWE. We had the final four being Edge, Rey Mysterio, Batista, and John Cena. So, of course, all of them would become future world champions, multiple-time world champions in their their brands and all that. Plus, it had the infamous sight of Vince McMahon walking down and tearing his quad in, in, in the same night, tearing both of his quads, sitting there after he tore the first quad. And then, as an egomaniac, thought he could just walk himself down the fly stairs, and he tore the air quad after he went to the back. So it was hilarious. So, uh, yeah, but uh, this, was a, this was a good, and also it was fun to see that Daniel Pugh, right before he got released, him getting the ever-living li- ever uh, shit chopped out of him by Bob Holly and Chris Benoit. So. And this rumble also started out with Eddie and... Benoit, and this would also be Eddie's final um, Rumble appearance before he passed away in November. Uh, and then, so we get to number three. And some people may say this is a bias because this was my very first Rumble I went to. But you notice I didn't put the 2017 Rumble. I actually didn't care for that Rumble. Had its moments, but it wasn't that good of a Rumble. The matches on the card were really good. The WWE title match between Cena and Styles and... The match between Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns, we're getting that, of course, later on to uh, this week. But um, so uh, my number three is the 2007 Royal Rumble match, which had uh, basically another kind of prelude to what we would get a few years later between Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. So also be Undertaker's first and only Rumble win. Uh, he was, and he was also the first man to win the Rumble at number thirty. Funny enough, not a lot of people, uh, you you always want to draw number 30 in these Rumble matches. And for, and I know I don't talk about wrestling on here a lot, so I'll, I'll give a little 
little um, condensed lecture about the Rumble before for anybody who doesn't know. The Royal Rumble match is a match WWE and some other companies, they have it under different names. Hell, there's a local uh, wrestling company I'm going to on Sunday. They're basically doing the same thing. It's basically a 30-man match where two men start every 90 seconds or so. Another entry comes out. The only way to be eliminated is over the top rope, both feet touching the floor. And the last man standing wins, and they get a world title match of their choosing at WrestleMania. Uh, also, and, uh, one cool version of this match was Aztec Warfare, which was in Lucha Underground. Um, that was a very – and basically, there was no over-top rope elimination because a lot of these guys were luchadors, so they wanted to use their flying abilities to their advantage. So instead, the only way to win was by pinfall or submission. But uh, same rules, basically, in terms of the inner rolls and all that stuff. But this Rumble had that, like, the 07 Rumble was a great pay-per-view as a whole. I had that great match with Cena and uh, Umaga, the last man staying match. I miss Umaga. Uh, gone too soon. But, um, yeah, the, the match itself was really good. I believe the final four was Edge, Orton, uh, Shawn, Shawn Michaels, and Undertaker. And then, of course, the... And again, it was my very first Royal Rumble match I went to live. I believe it was also my third live show I went to in the, for WWE. I think I was 12 years old when that when that Rumble happened. And we would not get another Rumble at the at, at, in San Antonio. And that was at the AT&T Center. We would not get another Rumble until 10 years later in the 2017 Rumble at the Alamo Dome. Luckily, we didn't have to wait 10 years to get the next one. I thought that was what was going to happen. But it was a fantastic match. This one may be controversial, and you know, if you tell me that this match is better, then I will, then I will, because this one, the, the my number one is pure nostalgia. It's the first Rumble match I watched live on pay-per-view. So my number two is the 1992 Royal Rumble. A lot of people say it's the best Royal Rumble, and, and you're not, if you come up to me and tell me, hey, the 1992 is better than your number one. I'm not going to argue about that because it, it is a great Rumble match. Bobby Heenan on commentary is just phenomenal. The star power and the storylines. We're just basing this off storylines and all that. This match would have my number one beat, beaten hands down. Jake and, and uh, Macho Man, the, the, the brewing of the rivalry between Sid Justice and Hulk Hogan led to WrestleMania 8. The unfinished business between The Undertaker and... Hulk Hogan, everybody wanted to get a piece of Ric Flair, Roddy Piper, Macho Man, fucking Roddy Piper. Piper was great in this match. I, I, I feel like he doesn't get enough praise for his performances match. Bobby Heenan, however, is the standout of this show. So I got to give him some love in this. And Ric Flair going to dismissing from number three all the way to the end, winning the WWE Championship. It was only the one of two times. And they didn't do this again until 2016. One of two times that the WWE Championship was on the line in the Rumble. I wish they did this more often. Not not every year or every other year, but I always think it's it's it adds more to the to the match. You're not just get, you're not getting a shot at the title at WrestleMania. You are going most likely walking into the to the grandest stage of them all with the WWE Championship or World Heavyweight Championship, depending on the era or Universal Championship. So I love that that whole that whole premise, and again, it's it it, it builds it has a it basically is a different beast into itself. You know, it's and Flair winning it, he would go on to lose the title at WrestleMania to Macho Man. Uh, one of my favorite storylines from that era: she was mine before she was yours, and then of course the great after promo after the show. From the Rome 92 when Flair says, with a tear in my eye, this is the greatest moment of my life. Just an excellent match. But my number three, my number one favorite Rumble match of all time, and my favorite Rumble pay-per-view of all time, excluding one match, I'll, I'll mention that in a little bit, is the 2003 Royal Rumble match. Now, this was the very first Rumble match I watched on paper. I saw some Rumbles beforehand through, like, VHSs and all that. The 2000 Rumble, the 2002 Rumble. 
But this match, this this was always special to me. Plus, we had Shawn Michaels. It's very even though he got dumped out pretty quickly. Shawn's first Rumble match since '97. His first time at the Rumble, like wrestling since 1998 when he had that uh, casket match with The Undertaker. We had the return of The Undertaker at number 30. We had Brock Lesnar winning the Rumble. We had, uh, also I forgot to mention in the 05 Rumble, has one of the best and sickest Rumble eliminations of all time when Gene Snitsky clotheslines Paul London inside out. Just a great, great sequence. But uh, we had a, a pretty cool one where he, where in the 03 one, where Lesnar F5s Matt Hardy onto the two members of Team Angle. And like Undertaker, and then we had a Final Four, Batista, who would later be a future Rumble, two time Rumble winner, multi time world champion. We had Kane in there right before he took off the mask. We had The Undertaker, we had Brock Lesnar. We had Taker outsmart his brother. We had Batista trying to interfere, and then Lesnar inter- eliminated The Undertaker. It was just a fantastic Rumble match, in my opinion. We had John Cena come out there rapping back when it was cool to cheer for him and even boo him. Like before, it was like really cool to boo him. Uh, it, it was just a, it, it was a great pay per view overall. We had one of the best Rumble matches. I'm not talking the actual Rumble itself. I'm talking about the a match that took place at the Rumble with the. With the uh, what do you call it? Kurt, uh, was it Kurt Angle and and Chris Benoit for the WWE Championship? We had one of the worst matches that took place at the Royal Rumble with Triple H and Scott Steiner. So again, this this show is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But that is my number one uh, favorite Rumble match of all time. Let me know, guys, what you, what y'all's favorite Rumble match is. And I usually don't do this. I'm recording this this segment on uh, Wednesday because I'm I gotta get up early on Saturday, so I'm trying to get everything done by Friday. So I like Friday night. I don't even want to have to record anything. However, I want to talk about the my predictions for the 2023 Royal Rumble match, and I'm gonna go into some predictions I have in terms of. Who I think's winning, some surprises we may get, so on and so forth. Now, again, this is as of Wednesday. It could change. But first up is the pitch black match, the Mountain Dew pitch black match between Bray Wyatt and LA Knight. I'm very curious to see how this is. I'm very curious to see how this goes live, so we'll, we'll see. But uh, I'm, I'm happy L.A. Knight is finally getting the rub. And L.A. Knight, I predict to lose to Bray Wyatt because this is Wyatt's first match in almost two years. Raw Women's Championship match will be Bianca Belair going against Alexa Bliss. I predict Bianca to win, even though they could have, you know, they could have uh, Alexa win. But, yeah. The Women's Raw Rumble match. I predict One of my predictions, I predict Chelsea Green will be in the Rumble. Uh, I also hear that uh, Liv Morgan wants to enter as number one. She is not winning. And as far as anybody else, I don't know who. They could get Mickey James again like they did last year since she is, again, the knockouts champion. So they could do that. I I just, again, I'm trying to think of big surprises. And uh, Chelsea's probably going to be. But, again, that's not really a big, big surprise. I expect some of the women from, like, yesterday, like Lita or some be in there. But at the end of the day, doesn't none of that matters because my prediction is Rhea Ripley. I think Rhea will win, and I think she will be challenging Bianca Belair at WrestleMania. Then we have the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship match, Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns. And uh, I do expect Sami Zayn to get involved, but I – but regardless of anything, I do believe Reigns is retaining because he will be—he won't be dropping the title to at the Rumble, but he will be dropping the title to, of course, the winner of the 2023 Rumble match. And I'll get to that in a minute. But as far as the Rumble match goes, we're gonna have Cody Rhodes. We're gonna have good amount of people. I'm sure Brock Lesnar is gonna be in the Rumble. We just saw him on Raw. I predict Stone Cold Steve Austin will be in the Rumble match. I predict 
Matt Cardona will be in the Rumble match. I have a small little uh, prediction. This is not like a guaranteed that Nick Aldis will be in the Rumble. Uh, former NWA heavyweight champion, also former TNA Impact Wrestling heavyweight champion. But again, none of that matters because I believe the prediction of not only who I think is winning the Rumble, but the man who will dethrone Roman Reigns, and it's no surprise Probably everybody and their grandmother are, are using, saying the same too. My prediction to win the Rumble, to go on the WrestleMania, dethrone Roman Reigns, his almost three-year reign, is Cody Rhodes. So unless there's any changes to the matches or anything else, that is my Royal Rumble 2023 predictions. So let me know, guys, what y'all's prediction is. And with that... We are going to get into my review of Infinity Pool. And we end this episode with my review of Infinity Pool. Brandon Cronenberg's newest film, which uh, he did one of my favorite films, 2019 Possessor, and is the son of director David Cronenberg. This film is directed and written by Brandon Cronenberg, stars Alexander Skarsgård and Mia Goth. So guided by a seductive and mysterious woman, a couple on vacation venture outside resort grounds and find themselves in a culture filled with violence and untold horror. A tragic accident soon leaves them facing a zero tolerance policy for crime. Either you'll be executed or if you're rich enough to afford it, you can watch yourself die instead. I would advise uh, that would be probably the premise. The premise is the only thing you should see. Even the trailer doesn't give doesn't give too much away. But I would say just go in this movie blind. I basically did. Uh, I I really enjoyed this film. It did drag on near the end, but uh, I don't know if I prefer this movie or Possessor because Possessor was a fucking fantastic film. But the Cronenbergs with. Movie after movie, they did. Uh, his father did, of course, Crimes of the Future last year, Infinity Pool, and of course, Possessor in 2019. But this movie was a blast. We had some great gore, uh, just a great premise as well with this whole situation. Uh, Mia Goth was a standout as she has been in every movie I've seen her in recently. Alexander Skarsgård does a good job. The rest of the cast was good. I wasn't too familiar with them, except for the guy who played the. Um, Chief of Police. He played Van Helsing in the Dracula show back in 2013 with uh, fuck, what's his name? Uh, let me look right now because I'm going to hate myself because I, I did like that show. I, I it sucked that it got canceled, uh, but it was I think it was. I'm not going to say a name real quick. I want to check real quick. Uh, let's see, here it is. I believe it was this man. Yes, Jonathan Reese Myers. Looked like they're good, good uh, Dracula. So, but uh, nonetheless, me, uh, Ike, the guy who played Van Helsing on that show, he also was in some of the MCU movies, like the Avengers and um, what was it, Captain America, the Winter, the Winter Soldier, I believe. Uh, so uh, that's the main person i was familiar with so he did a good job but uh mainly this was mia goth's movie she was great in this movie and again the premise is what's going to uh take you in it is a movie that i can see people loving or hating uh my biggest issue with the film is really it drags near the end doesn't do it as much compared to other movies i've like like especially in the last couple of months but uh, i still really recommend it and go check it out at um and surprisingly the theater I went to go see it at wasn't packed but it had a good amount of people in it so I was happy about that so uh go check it out if you if you can at a theater near you give it the old house stamp of approval so that does it with episode 30 of the house of chain podcast we're already at 30 and we're going to be going our way to episode 40 and then, uh, see, like in the next, uh, probably say year close, like a little over a year, we'll be hitting episode 100. So that'll be long road ahead, but thank y'all for being with me for that ride.
So with that, y'all take care. Make sure you follow me on TikTok at the House of Chayton and Instagram at the House of Chayton. And uh, with all that, y'all stay safe. You stay scared. You stay groovy out there. And until next time, remember, at the House of Chayton, the house always wins. Take care, everybody.